Become an Instadance Insider today. Instadance Coach is virtual guidance toward a professional dance career. It is an exclusive program for the serious dancer. If you are a dedicated, passionate dancer with drive and hunger for success, then you can apply to become an insider. This program is not for everyone. It is open to all levels and ages, but a high level of dedication and commitment is required. If you're interested in becoming an insider, you can apply today at www.instadancecoach.com and start your training towards a successful future with a competitive edge. Catch you on the inside. Hey everyone, welcome to Dance Colleges and Careers, brought to you by Instadance Coach, virtual guidance toward a professional dance career. My name is Brittany Noltmeyer, and I will be your guide to finding the perfect college for you. Dance Colleges and Careers is here to provide you with information about different dance colleges, what to expect, and how to find the right school for your dance type. Go to www.instadancecoach.com and click on the podcast tab to submit any additional questions. Follow me on social media at InstaDanceCoach, I-N-S-T-A-D-A-N-C-E, Coach. Let's hit it. On today's episode, we have an amazing guest with us, Mr. Christopher Dolder with SMU, Southern Methodist University. Christopher is the Associate Professor and Chair of Dance at Meadows School of the Arts. Thank you for joining us, Christopher. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, a little on the busy side. We're in the middle of doing a ballet candidate search while we're delivering all of our classes, while we're, you know, trying to matriculate the class of 2024. So mm. I'm, I'm on Zoom a lot. Yes, I bet you are. I don't envy that. <laughs> yeah. well, you got to do what you got to do. And we're at, we've got 15 uh, deposit paid so far for a class of 2024. So I'm okay with that. All right. That's really good. Record record three presidential scholars, three presidential dance scholars like that's like it's unheard of. Wow. How how do they get a presidential? Yeah, we already we have one from last year. So we now have we will have these three accepted. So we will have four president scholars in our dance division. Wow. Yeah. Rock stars. How does one receive a presidential dance scholarship? Big time. It's a tough deal. Like these are seriously wunderkind. We uh, you uh people are automatically put into the pool who have like, you know, SATs that are 1500 and above, ACTs 33 and above, GPA. There's a whole bunch of triggers and you're automatically put into that pool. Oh, 300 that are in that pool. And then they're, uh, they're divided amongst, oh, maybe 16 faculty across campus that then vet their files and then drop it down to about 60 or so that are interviewed. Wow. And then of the 60 interviewed, we probably give around maybe a total of 24 offers. And that means four years plus a semester abroad. So it's basically a 300 grand. So, you know, you're, you're, you're giving, you know, upwards of $8 million uh, a year. And they, so these kids are, and they literally, I mean, some have patents, some have already started businesses. They all do you know, Eagle Scout, all sorts of, I mean, it's not just a smart kid. It's a very involved wow. kid. So it's, uh, That's incredible. it's intense. It's the highest, it's the highest honor that uh, SMU bestows upon incoming first years. That's incredible. Okay. So let's, yeah, it's a great let's get started. Let's tell everybody who you are, what's going on here. Hi everyone. This is Christopher Dolder. He's the associate professor and chair of dance at SMU Southern Methodist university. Is that right, Christopher? Yes. Meadows school of the art Southern Methodist university. Amazing. Are you in the Dallas area right now? 
Dallas, Texas. Yes. Yeah. We're just, oh yeah. We're just like maybe eight miles uh, north of downtown Dallas. So it's nice. So I can, I, I can ride my bike down to go see a Mavericks game down at American Airlines Center. Hey, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I went to school in Oklahoma. So just four hours for you. I spent a lot of time in sure. Dallas. I love that area. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, uh, even though I love my, I love football and I love my, you know, SMU ponies. I'm kind of a big Oklahoma football fan. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard My not best to buddy, be. Matt Robinson, and it, uh, he, and, you know, he's got me into into Sooner football. Can imagine the Texans aren't so happy with you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, OK, so, guys, Christopher is a former soloist with the Martha Graham Dance Company. He co-directed and performed for Westwick Dolder Dance Company. And he's been a 15-year lecturer, maybe more. I have 15 years at UC Berkeley, and I'm now in my 11th year here at uh, SMU. Wow, 11 years. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I, I received, I attained tenure about four years ago. That's five years ago now, I guess. And I became chair of the division two years ago. Oh, great. You teach modern technique, composition, repertory, kinesiology, videography, and pedagogy. Is that all still correct? It's a, yeah, it depends on how much time I have. As <laughs> Since I've become chair, I've had to reduce my load. But those are my generally my, my fortes. No matter what, I teach dance kinesiology each year. I'm a biomechanist, so it's all about really uh, providing the theoretical information to help with the conservatorial practices. And then no matter what, I teach technique classes because I would just drive myself nuts if I couldn't and didn't and then uh, assist with a composition class. Absolutely. Are you still teaching technique on Zoom right now? Uh, yes, we are. We're at, we are teaching everything on Zoom. Everything's live. And oh, my word, I am getting I've gotten so used to looking at tiny little boxes and live people in those tiny little boxes. Mm, wow. But we're doing it. You know, my my the premise that I've put forth to my faculty is don't expect what we could do previously, but no matter what, push the education forward. So really just make sure that you're reassuring the students. This is the one bit or two bits or three bits of moving forward information. And so that way, the students just have a more responsibility for staying in shape on their own, because we're just kind of trying to keep them in shape instead of moving them forward through this little portal of Zoom. It's it's virtually impossible. Yeah. So as long as you just, you know, be, scale down your expectations, but no matter what, have the premise that you must move the education forward. And after they graduate, that's what they have to do anyways, figure it out. So it's it's not a bad lesson to learn. That's you know, you, it. Staying in shape is one thing, but having having quality and technique and understanding the three different idioms of ballet, modern and jazz and having a really strong theoretical and liberal arts education. That's that's the coin these days to get in a company. Yeah. OK, so when I'm when I was looking up SMU, Southern Methodist University, it looks like what makes it really unique is the strong academic program. It looks like it really pushes the kids to keep a high GPA. Oh, there's no question. I mean, our kids, are, well, the average SAT just to even just get in the school is in the high 1300s. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's that's not your average cookie right there. No. But no, our deal is, is that we are trying to prepare a very well-rounded multidisciplinary artist. And so when I first got here, it was mainly more conservatory. And then I pushed for the concept of double majoring. Here we are on a nice small campus that already has this very nice university curriculum. So we have since integrated our curriculum more with the university. So there's a thing called cross counting or double counting, which really supports and allows for double majoring. So if you look at a list of uh, our students are the uh, highest percentage constituent of double majors on campus. So we have, you know, dance and geophysics, dance and mechanical engineering, dance and applied physiology and health management, dance and psychology, whichever. So 
You know, these kids literally are a broad spectrum researcher artists. That's super incredible because there are many, many schools that won't even allow double majoring. Right. I mean, and that's and that's really that's that's where we sit. I mean, we have a conservatorial level that's going to match up against, you know, these conservatory gold standards of USC and Juilliard. Yeah. And we're really in the mix with, you know, Tisch and Point Park and SUNY Purchase and all that. But, you know, the fact is, is that we have this proven commodity uh, of the double majoring. And, you know, this is what the return on investment of a dancer going to a private college is not really very good. Mm -hmm. There's not high salaries in dance. But when you start to add other regimens to that and you have this both front end and back end kind of covered based on your education, that's where we come in and do quite well. Wow. So that's really awesome. That's something really special. Well, and it just it just works well. And, and the thing is, is that nowadays, you know, with everything kind of more tightened, my philosophy is dancer as subject more so than dancer as object. In the past, dancer was object. You are a dancer and hopefully you're going to get a job and be given value and be someone's muse. But now you are dancer as subject and you are going out there with a collaborative spirit and a broad sense of knowledge. So you are already helping the artist that is hiring you, or you simply are the heart artist that gets you know, philanthropist and support, and you create your own company. We have a woman, Emily Burnett, and her friend, uh, two of them have created Bombshell Dance Project, and that was just you know like two years out of graduation. Or we have uh, Josh Pugh, who runs Dark Circles Contemporary Dance, and he's doing quite, quite well. So I mean, we, we actually have a fair number of people who are going out to become choreographers. That's incredible. Okay, so let's talk about the degrees. I think it says it pretty clearly online that you can get your BFA in dance. Um, and then it offers that you you encourage a double major, yes. which is extremely fortunate for them. And then there's also some minors they can get um, if they want to be an academic student, they could receive a dance minor. That's, yeah, there's many. Yeah, Because a lot of times a student will come in and they'll audition and become a dance major. And then realize that, you know, it, that that's something they've done their whole life. And now they've seen these other possibilities in the liberal arts. And then they kind of they I, wouldn't, I don't call it dropping down to a minor, but they decide that they want to do a minor study, which then they stay within the division. But then they're really going to put their major studies in, say, business or engineering or whatnot. So I, I my goal each year is to try to uh, to matriculate 20 to 25 students. You know that. Over the years, you're going to lose five. I want 25 in the door and 20 out the door. That, therefore, never gets larger than 100 students. It stays, stays quite kind of a tight-knit community. And there's this natural sense that there's going to be a melt or an attrition, and the kids just move on to other things. That's awesome. So our class size is usually about 25 to 30 students in a dance 25 class? Is, 25 will be max. Okay. We never have any, any more than 25. Nice. That's a good size for a dance class. And then by the time you get to the higher levels, uh, you know, then the first two years you do the ballet modern and jazz, then you can start to self-select. Mm. And so, you know, in the end, when the, the more advanced classes really have more like 12 to 15 students. So that's when it gets really, really intense. Oh, wow. And so what other types of dance classes do you have? Do you teach theater and hip hop or tap? Or? Well, we have ballet, modern and jazz, but okay. there's available within the context of the university of, you know, voice classes and musical theater classes and theater, straight up theater. So, you know, they've got a lot of a lot of opportunity to kind of expand their horizons. Awesome. And that kind of happens in their third year. Uh, yeah. Most of the times, third and fourth year, you start because the first two years are fairly well scripted. Yeah. You're doing your, your, your solids, like your foreign languages and your sciences, et cetera. But as far as what you're doing in our building, it's it's scripted. It's a very intense schedule. And I mean, when Monday, Wednesday, Friday is one kind of set of schedules. Tuesday, Thursday is in the other. 
And, you know, if you're in pieces, you're then rehearsing 5.30 to 9.30. So mm. these kids are generally going 8 a.m. to about 10 o'clock at night, yeah. five days a week. That, oh, that's great. So would you say there's a lot of opportunities for performance at the school as well? Oh, yeah, there's no question. Whether they, they first come in, the, they are, the only time they're restricted from performing is the first years are not allowed to be in the first fall main concert because we are using okay. them as crew and indoctrinating them into everything that happens behind the scenes so that they have that under their belt when they go out and they kind of are able to show a, a level of respect once they get out into the professional field. That yeah, said, that's a good lesson to learn they too. can still do what's called brown bag, which is an informal set of performances that we have out in this main lobby. And they can start choreographing second they get here. So they can do uh, their brown bag performances in terms of a choreographer or as a performer all four years. And then after that first semester, then, then they can audition for anything. So we have our Hope show, Bob, named after Bob Hope, famous actor. Mm -hmm. And that's a big main show. And I hire world-renowned choreographers to do a show in the fall and one in the spring. And then we finish out the year with what's called the Senior Dance Concert. Our final year of uh, uh, composition is called Senior Capstone. And that's where the students all bring in all of their various other interests and they kind of incorporate them into a performance. And so every single student, whether they want to be a choreographer or not, are required to create a, to create a piece for the Senior Dance Concert. But we start off that semester by taking all of the seniors to New York for the Association of Performing Arts Professionals. So they go yeah. and they get to see these various, you know, really the professionals are kind of auditioning for various performing arts agencies. So they get it, already get a feel for it. We do a mock audition. We have an alumni reception. So they're really already kind of having this, this platform getting ready to kind of spring forward and, you know, be out there in the main field. Can we talk about that experience a little bit more? They so how many students do you take? We take each of our seniors. So like this, this, uh, this lot we took, oh, we had 15, I believe, that we took this last January, and uh, and they they do a volunteer they do volunteer hours, so they're volunteering to the organization, so they are already kind of seeing what's going on, so they're kind of enmeshed within the organization, and then they get passes to see other things when they're not working. So that's it's awesome. Great, yeah, it's a great way of just kind of just seeing what's out there and getting the feeling of what it's like to be in you know the hub of New York. Yeah, so so the hub of New York, um, I would say that's. Uh, a big theater scene. A lot, I mean, yeah, on all levels, you know, musical theater, theater itself, dance, concert dance, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. So um, what types of dancers, like what style of dancer do you think SMU attracts, like company dancers or theater, or commercial? You know, it, we, we, you know it, we're all over the map. You know, it mm -hmm. really depends if a student kind of like really kind of stuck with that more the jazzy end and wants to go into kind of the commercial commercial in, they might go to Los Angeles and do industry work. We have quite a few uh, students that are out there. We've got our grads that are out there. We have some that the big thing lately is doing uh, cruises, cruise lines. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of like aerial work and Le Cirque du Soleil work, like pretty, pretty high level quality work on these cruise lines. So I've got a couple of dancers have been doing that for three years, just making bank and seeing the world. So that's kind of a new avenue. Then a lot of our dancers are concert dancers. You know, we have a dancer who just got a Mark Morris. We have dancers that go with Paul Taylor, Pascal Ryu. So they're they're preparing themselves for the concert world. And then we have dancers that are, you know, more along that the regional uh, ballet level. You know, your main big, big companies, NYCB or San Francisco Ballet and all that, most of them are just starting that kid. You know, they're getting that dance when she's 12 and working her up into the system. So rarely are we going to get a dancer that's done ballet here that goes to that highest level. Mm -hmm. But we we populate a lot of regional companies that where they get a you know a lot of fair amount of work. Very good, very nice. So how about um, because we know about New York, we know about LA. How about the Dallas area? Are there? 
are there, would you say there's opportunities? Dallas, Dallas, or? Is, Dallas has come a long way. You know, first of all, a lot of people don't realize that Dallas is the largest contiguous arts district in the nation. I mean, it's got, you know, I, how, it's like something like 40 acres. So you've got, you know, the, the, uh, the Windspear Opera House, one of the most beautiful pieces of architecture you've ever seen. You've got the Wiley Theater, the Moody Performance Hall, you have the, the, the Dallas Symphony. So all of this is in this really vibrant district, but at the same time, because the rents mm -hmm. are moderately low in Dallas compared to say, you know, the Bay Area or, or New York, you've got a whole kind of underground scene where you've got a lot of smaller companies that are getting work and that are being supported by uh, the North, uh, North, North Texas Dance Council, that are being sponsored by TACA or Titus. So there's got various uh, presenting agencies. So there's a lot of uh, smaller grade work. So you've got like the one thing that's interesting is that we, we don't really have like a major company, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I, you know, there's Texas Ballet Theater, there's, um, uh, there's smaller companies like da Ballet Dallas, but the one thing I'm, I would love to see is to kind of to see the uh, money go forth to see some very large, uh, either ballet or modern based company. There is Bruce Wood and he's a long, he's passed, but his company is still supported. He's got great philanthropy and I would say that's the more the most known name, but I think Dallas is just primed for a, for a kind of a major company. But Absolutely. There's certainly the talent there. Right now, we're, we have a lot of mid-range companies. Okay. Very cool. If they get comfortable and like the area, there is opportunity for them to stay and build up that company that you want to see. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential here. And I'm telling you, it's just you're not having to just do the dog eat dog, barely mm -hmm. pay for space in either New York or the Bay Area. I mean, I all three of my kids were born in Berkeley. I went there as an undergrad. I taught there 15 years. So I'm a Californian. And it's just unfortunately become degraded. I mean, the the the, the, the whole real estate debacle with all of the Silicon Valley has so distorted everything that it's made it almost impossible to be just kind of a you know middle road artist. And so, well, those artists have to go somewhere. So Dallas, you know, Dallas is a really interesting 21st century city. It's, it's, it's built well, it's expanded well, has great opportunities, and there's a very large amount of private money funding a public agenda. And it's kind of a unknown secret. I mean, I, I, I would never have thought at this point in my life, I'd be in Dallas, Texas, yeah. but I mean, I'm, I'm probably here. I'm probably play this one out for another 10 years and retire out of SMU because I'm more supported here as a multidisciplinary artist than I was at an institution such as Berkeley, which to a certain degree almost insularizes you or it makes it more siloed. Whereas here it's small enough campus. You can do these multidisciplinary projects. I work with mechanical engineering. I work with athletics. I work with applied physiology. So it's, it's kind of like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, that's incredible. And a better quality of life yeah, I, or a, an option for a better quality of life. Pretty good. I mean, I, I, who would have known that all three of my kids were born in Berkeley, but all will have graduated from Highland Park High School. Oh, really? That's not your normal arc. If you know anything about Highland Park High School, it's a, it's a fairly affluent high school. That's awesome. Are they all yeah. still in high school or have they continued into college? Uh, no, the eldest, uh, eldest is a little bit of a, you know, wanderlust. He's trying to figure out what life is all yeah. about. He's done college for a bit, but not his thing. Okay. Uh, he's, a, he's a tried and true Berkeleyite. So we'll see where he ends up. My daughter is uh, with fashion media and journalism. She loves it. She's got the great social scene, got great friends. And then my youngest is a uh, junior in high school. He's got one more year and he's a Straight A student. He's a viola and a wrestler. All so right. He, he has the macro of wrestling and the micro of viola. So it's uh, quite the mix. Yeah, absolutely. I played the cello. 
Oh, cello is one of my oh, one of my favorite instruments of all time. Me too. I tried to pick it back up again in college, like my senior year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I got your credit. Uh, I'll take cello lessons. Cello is the heart of the earth. It's just got the, oh, it's just my favorite instrument. I love it. It's gorgeous. Okay. So moving to a different topic. Yeah. SMU, Southern Methodist University. Yes. As a Methodist school, how much does religion affect their education? And if a student isn't Methodist, should they still consider looking at SMU? It was originally Methodist in nature and in base and in the, and the constituents, but it's not so anymore. Even okay. though we have the, the Perkins School of Theology, there's really maybe only one person who represents, you know, the Methodist church that's on the board of trustees. Okay. It, it does, however, draw a fair number of students that are, are religious minded. Mm-hmm. You know, when, I mean, I, when I have many of my students, when they're writing papers and, and just kind of confiding in me, there's, there's quite a bit of talk of religion. So I think it. I think overall, it still draws uh, a, a religious constituency, but it's not something that's either exclusionary or really comes up a lot. But I do believe there's there's this underlying belief and faith in much of the populace of the school. Nice. And would you think that's because a lot of students come from the Dallas area, which is in the Bible Belt, or do they come from anywhere? No, you know, I think. Okay. It, I think it just has that reputation, whether it's that whether they're coming from the Dallas area or they're coming from elsewhere and were maybe originally drawn by the, the moniker, by the name. Mm-hmm. And then just once they've done their research, they see that it kind of, you know, kind of has clubs, et cetera, that are that are religious based. So I, I think it does have a bit of a uh, not a blatant reputation, but an underlying Support. reputation of, of a school that has a, a, a constituency of faith. OK, good to know. Good to know. Good to know. I feel like we got covered a lot of territory. Yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. Is there anything else? It's generally my job. I mean, as the chair of this division, I I travel around and I go to maybe six or seven cities a year and I go to teach master classes at art schools. So this year I was, you know, Denver, Houston, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Orange County, uh, Atlanta and New Orleans. And I just I go and more than anything, it's less of a trying to sell people on the school. It's really just to say to reveal, and I'm an infomercial, like there's this amazing thing, the Southern Methodist University, which was not on my radar for much of my life, has become a a safe haven. I I moved here from Maui, Hawaii. I I got burned out on academics. I got burned out on the politics within academia. And so the only job I've ever quit was working at UC Berkeley. So I left. My wife was a full-time professor at Mills College where our our kids were two, five, and seven at the time. Mm. And I just said, look, we didn't sign on for this. We are working day and night. We're not raising our kids. Other people are raising our kids. So I have a plan. I've always been a builder and all that. I said, look, let's sell our house that I had remodeled. Let's quit our jobs and let's move to Maui. And uh, we did. <laughs> so we did the crazy thing. We quit these jobs. We took our kids. We bought a two-acre macadamia farm on the island of Maui up in Wailuku. And for three years, I was a builder, a repairman, and a kind of a, a fine craftsman. And then out of the blue, the 2008 crash came and ended that experiment. Uh. And uh, literally the house that I built, my own hands, uh, I lived in for 100 days. But right, right around that time, I was headhunted by SMU for my Martha Graham skills and my uh, biomechanical skills. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I'm willing to come to your university, but I just need to disclose that I'm currently a builder, a farmer and a repairman. <laughs> so if you're OK with that, then I'll come out. And I said, but my one requirement of you is, do you honestly balance out theoretical studies and, and, and practicum studies? Do you really balance out this part of the brain and this part of the passion and put those together? 
And, and they did, not as much as I wanted, but <laughs> I've been able to in the time that I've been here to, to really kind of create what I felt was of the greatest value. So, you know, it's, helped it's, develop. I built my house and now I'm building a division. That's incredible. I love that. Okay. So I also learned that you, you were in the final editing stage of your documentary. Oh, Are you still? Final editing stage is like, the, it might as well be the netherworld of the black hole. I went to the Burning Man Festival many years. I've gone 14 out of 17 years. I've done art projects there. I've built things there. And for five years, I filmed and did research and embedded into various dance camps. So it's kind of uh, the documentary is about the emergence and evolution of dance subcultures throughout the history of the event. So there's kind of you've got the big rave kind of crazy dance scene. Then you've got this uh, that begat the con- this contact improvisation that happens at center camp. Then people who wanted even a more of a personalized and spiritual experience that kind of went into conscious and ecstatic dance. So I embedded myself in these various camps to really just see how those cultures express themselves and filmed. And I mean, it is hard filming up there. It is a nightmare to protect your equipment. But I have amazing footage. I've got you know 40 or 50 interviews and amazing footage of the event. But it's like once that once I finished that, all of a sudden tenure took over even more, and then chair took over. So I'm, I I have this thing in the can that I just so want to get done, but it's it's almost impossible. But I I will get it done. Okay, so just so everybody knows what you're talking about, you're working on this documentary. Yes. And it's called The Ecstatic Dance of Burning Man, right? The Ecstatic Dance of Burning Man, Permission to Transcend, as the official title. All right. And one day it's going to be completed and finished and, and, and amazing. I, I am going to get that thing out there and it'll be an historical document, but I think it'll still have a lot of, a lot of very important context because the, the basic bottom line to, to the whole documentary is that if we allow ourselves to evolve and we allow ourselves, we give ourselves permission to transcend. We either get stuck and we stay in our daily and we just go about our business and we kind of get through life or we can actually become, and um, we can metamorphose, we can, we can evolve and we can become a better, I, I don't always like put it a better person, we can become the person that we are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, what that event does is allow people to really look more at themselves and say, this is who I am, I don't have to act, I don't have to be something else, I can be exactly who I am and be accepted in society. And to me, that's the metaphor of the permission to transcend. Wow. And that you said it was really difficult to film where you were, but you were in Nevada, right? The Black Rock Desert. Oh, there's dust storms and it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to protect your equipment, but you've got like dust storms like every you know <laughs> hour. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a challenge. So someday, someday it'll be, I'll get, I'll get that out there. Okay. Is there something else that? Um... No, no. I mean, I've, there's, I've got just two different, so many sides of my personality. The one end is getting the, the dance culture studies documentary completed. The other is I do research in, uh, physical data capture. So I've got the kind of the science end and I'm using gravitational pressure sensing and infrared depth mapping. And the more you know kind of where a body is in space and how that body relates gravitationally to the earth and you, and you capture all of that data, you can then extrapolate the probability of the muscles that were sequenced to make movement happen. Wow. Like right now, we don't have the ability to just electromyographically look at a body and know the deep core muscles and are they sequencing, you know, which one is happening first. And sequencing is everything in, all, in any movement, whether it's dance or golf or walking down the street. Right. So I've, I've been working with uh, applied physiology and mechanical engineering to work on a device that accurately captures its massive data streams. But if it actually captures what you have done, you can backtrack and create the probability of how you did what you did, and that we can learn from. So I have a whole, 
treatise. If you look online, I have a treatise about that I did at the World Dance Alliance. Wow. That's uh, about um, literally just the science of art, how, how connect and code and computation can somehow reveal the, the, the art that is based within the science. Wow. So if somebody wants to see that or learn more about you and the work you're doing, where can we find that information? I think if you just if you just did if you googled or searched Christopher Dolder the science of art okay uh, or World Dance Alliance it'll it'll probably trigger because it's it's digitally published so Google Christopher Dolder that's D O L D E R what a career you've had and what a mind it's so interesting it's a fun world yeah so <laughs> take advantage of yeah, it yeah absolutely it it's been such a pleasure pleasure getting to know you and learn about smu and likewise i'm just so excited for the high school students to listen to this and be able to learn and get excited about your school tell them, hey tell them to email me i'm a very i i have what's called an open door policy okay. people want to know i will definitely i will definitely respond i mean I, it's just one of those things where that's that's what i'm supposed to be doing so i, I you know bring it on okay amazing email email christopher dolder and he'll give you all the answers <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you, Brittany, for this. Thank you so much. All right, Brittany, it's a pleasure. You have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to Dance Colleges and Careers, brought to you by InstaDance Coach. This episode is edited by Brenna Murchie. Theme song is created by Matthew Claiborne at Flamingo Sound and Show. Thank you to my sponsors, the Chiropractic Center of Leesburg and Claremont, and Pure Hemp Labs. Catch you on the inside.